Welcome into another edition of the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. Week two is over. Looking ahead to week three, Hurricane Florence may be battering down the East Coast, but football waits for no one, and neither does the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. I'm Madison, and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how's it going? It's going great. First time calling in uh, from anywhere other than our couch in the in the bonus room, so um, pretty exciting stuff here. Going across the state, across the country. Across the state, you're in a you're in Illinois. You're not in Tennessee anymore. Come on, dude. Uh, Pierce sprung it on me today. I said, "Hey, coming over for the podcast today." He said, "Oh, I'm catching a flight at five o'clock to Chicago." Oh, okay, casual, casual. You guys are there for uh, golf, right? Yeah, keep it cash. Yeah, big things to come. Hopefully, on the Sibling Robbery Podcast, a little extension with uh, some golf down the road. Uh, no, I've talked about it a while, but uh, we'll get it. We'll get it going. We'll let the listeners know about it when uh, when the time comes. Yeah, we're working on some special stuff, and hopefully we'll be able to cue you in on that soon. But let's go ahead and let's get into it, Pierce. Week two, some interesting matchups. Another week of cupcake games, to be honest with you, uh, but also some interesting ones as well. I'm excited for week three, though, so I'm going to kind of fly through this week two stuff so we can get to the meat. Uh, but let's go ahead and start off, and let's just go ahead and do our good, bad, and ugly. This is where we pick our good performance of the week, our bad performance of the week, and our ugly performance of the week. My good performance of the week is Arizona State. I've been ragging on Herm Edwards uh, all offseason since the hire. He was hired to be the the CEO of that program. And, you know, the the coordinators left. And so that changed things. Time to, even though it was at home, but for him to upset um, Michigan State is a big deal. They're, they've got a chance to, to make some noise in the Pac-12. It's going to be exciting stuff. So, um I hope y'all can't hear dad talking on the phone right now to God knows who, who, who it is, but he's screwing everything up. I know he would, but anyway, it gotta be Herm Edwards. Uh, you know, just excited for him, especially given the, uh, the criticism he's faced. So that's, that's certainly my good for this, uh, this week. Uh, you can never say that we're not committed to the podcast here. We got uh, Pierce riding around in the mean streets of Chicago dealing with some bad phone coverage as well as some boring business phone talks. So uh, sorry about that. Any audio issues, uh, we'll, we'll try to uh, keep this brief for y'all, get you the, heat, the, the meat of the goodness here. Um, yeah, Pierce, I like your good performance of the week. Um, I kind of thought the same thing. I went with a first-year coach, uh, but my good performance of the week is Texas A&M. They lost, but they put up a great fight versus Clemson at home, narrowly losing 28-26. to 26. In fact, it came down to the last 46 seconds. You know, Kellen Mond, 430 yard, uh, 430 passing yards on the game, three TDs, uh, and again they would have tied the game in the last 46 seconds if it weren't for that two point conversion interception. Uh, I wasn't there, obviously, but I heard the crowd cheer was cheering for Jimbo at the end of the game. You know, just chanting Jimbo, Jimbo, which for a team that loses. It's pretty incredible that they're so behind their head coach uh, in this first year, and uh, I just see nothing but good things for Texas A&M this year. So that's my good performance of the week. What about your bad? Well, first off, I like your uh, I like your pick. I was shocked by um, by Texas A&M standing up. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised with Jimbo Fisher, but um, definitely didn't think they had the firepower to hang hang with them with Clemson, especially given that twelve point. Uh, 
12 point spread. My bad is uh, I got, I call me biased. I got to go with South Carolina. Uh, you just heard so much noise all, all week leading up to the game. So much smack talk from South Carolina, so much confidence. And to just go out on your home field and just get absolutely dog whooped like that is just, it's just embarrassing. I mean, the fans were leaving by halftime or if, if, if not by the, three minute mark into the second half so I gotta go South Carolina it's it's pretty easy for me yeah I, I was hearing from people on Twitter that uh, the normally fierce and intense sandstorm performance from the crowd was not really present by the uh, end of the first half there so unfortunate things for South Carolina but good things for our dogs that's all I'm gonna say uh, for my bad performance I went with Florida 31 years and the winning streak versus Kentucky is no more. They, uh, they've, it's kind of been a long time coming. They barely beat Kentucky last year uh, in Lexington. That final score was twenty-eight to twenty-seven. Give credit to Benny Snell though: twenty-seven carries, one hundred and seventy-five yards, and Terry Wilson as well: one hundred fifty-one yards passing and two touchdowns. Uh, UF was just unable to stop UK. Uh, Felipe Franks was a little bit all over the place, and that O-line has got to get more consistent if the Florida Gators even want to be bowl eligible at this point. I mean, I'm talking at the end. I'm looking right ahead right now. Florida and Florida State, it might come down to those two teams meeting at Rivalry Week to decide which one's going to be bowl eligible because right now both those teams are a mess. Agreed. Agreed. All right, well, what about your uh, ugly performance of the week? <laughs> Well, you, you kind of took my ugly, but it, there was a close second um, in regards to this topic. It's uh, it's by far Larry Fedora in North Carolina. They lost by 20-plus points to, to ECU. That should never happen. Um, they're 0-2, and Larry Fedora made a scene this offseason by – Comparing football to the fact that the United States of America has trouble, you know, winning in wars these days because they don't have the football breeds toughness. And it's, it's, you know, he caught a lot of, a lot of crap from that. And just the fact that they've gone out and gone 0 2 now, that's, he's looking at a quick, quick oust um, in Chapel Hill there. I don't see him surviving uh, the end of September here. So, got to be North Carolina, very mediocre. Fedora is the coach who said he didn't believe in CTE, uh, the CTE studies, right? Correct. He said he didn't believe in CTE, and he also believed that back in the uh, 30s and 40s and 50s, the reasons we won those world wars was due to the fact that people were tougher and they played football. <laughs> A little bit ridiculous, yeah. Between uh, his craziness and UNC not being able to keep like half their starting lineup from being suspended uh, and these lackluster performances, I agree with that ugly pick. Just not good there in Chapel Hill. My ugly performance, I'm actually flipping the ugly a little bit on its head. I didn't want to repeat and name Florida State the ugly performance for the second week in the row. I was at that game, well, that Pierce. Was, that was ugly. That was ugly. I was at that game, Pierce, and I got to tell you, first of all, the game didn't get started until about two hours after it was supposed to get started. And so about 9 o'clock Eastern time, it's kicking off. Uh, we had a weather delay, even though the skies were pretty clear. I don't know what happened there. And Florida State starts off, and it's like, okay, we're going to get into the meat of it. We're getting, you know, their first drive, eh, whatever. Devlin Hodges rears back, Sanford's quarterback, rears back, first play from the line of scrimmage, and throws a long bomb for a TD. And I'm telling you right now, the entire crowd was out of it the rest of the game. They missed the extra point there. Sanford goes up 13 nothing, uh, and, and it just continued to dominate. Devlin Hodges, 475 yards and two touchdowns. He did end up throwing four interceptions. Uh, ball was a little wet, a little bit, uh, you know, it didn't start raining again, but, um, you know, 
craziness right there. If it weren't for those four interceptions, Sanford wins the game easily. I mean, they dominated on both sides of the ball. It really, Florida State ought to be thanking their lucky stars for those interceptions. And I got to say one more thing. This kind of wrap, you know, wraps into the ugly performance of the week. Did you catch Florida State's new turnover backpack? Yeah, it's uh, that's that's a shame there. That <laughs> what what what? It, I mean, I get the turnover chain. I get the the turnover shoulder pads, the savage shoulder pads. What what's what's the symbolism of the backpack? Supposedly, it means securing the bag. They were very clear to make it. I didn't mean I didn't watch. I was there. I didn't watch the uh, the game. Uh, but the announcers kept saying that it was securing the bag. But I, I got to say, it was really cool when these teams were having these turnover, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, turnover chain, turnover shoulder pads. Boise State's got a turnover throne. Kennesaw State's got a turnover plank, uh, like the one from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. And then you've got a turnover backpack, which genuinely looks like these kids are going to school or class. I don't get it. I think it's dumb, and I think we've jumped the shark a little bit. And so, you know, between Devlin Hodges being ugly in a good way and the FSU ugly backpack, I mean, this game was just a mess. And it didn't get done till about midnight. It was it was whew, well, it was bad. The backpack was a good looking backpack. Let me just say that first and foremost. Not that on the sidelines of a football game. Uh, well, exactly. That I mean, the, some of the new additions. The the throne I think is phenomenal. That is that is so cool. You get to sit on a throne on the sideline after you make a turnover. But who wants an average little backpack? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like a Gucci like, backpack, but it's not like some, anything special. Maybe some money hanging out of it or something. Like, <laughs> make it look like cool. Make it look like there's something special inside it. Don't just say secure the bag. No one knows what that means. I, I feel you on that one. And hey, we might need to do a special little podcast one day, uh, talking and ranking about uh, these uh, turnover. I don't even know what you call them. Turnover accoutrement on the sidelines. Uh, let's go ahead, though, and let's go ahead and finish up our week two recaps. I'm just going to run through the games we picked last week. Of course, we had Grant on as our guest picker. Just so that if you're playing along at home, I went, I got five right again. Another week, five and five on my picks. Pierce and Grant tied with six picks, correct? Yeah. That brings my total for the season 10 and 10, and Pierce is now 13 and seven on the season. Grant beating Hampy so far for our guest pickers. We'll have to see if our week three guest picker can do any better than that. Uh, Grant going six and four, and of course, Hampy going four and six on week one. Uh, let's go ahead and get through it. Uh, I'm going to go through rapid fire and just talk about uh, the finals of these games. I'm going to do a little tweet cap, as I'm lovingly calling them, just a little headline, what you need to know about the game. And then, Pierce, if you want to expand upon these uh, games for about, you know, 30-ish seconds, then feel free. Anything I missed in my tweet cap, feel free to uh, to hit. First up, Mississippi State 31, Kansas State 10. Nick Fitzgerald's return brought 309 combined yards and makes for some very sad Kansas State fans. Not good there in Manhattan. Anything to add? Yeah, I will admit that this was Nick Fitzgerald's first showing. Um, thought Mississippi State played well. I think that defense is pretty good, but didn't necessarily think Nick Fitzgerald played his A game. That being said, um, a tough opponent in Kansas State, well coached in Manhattan, the little man, the little apple. Um, you know, Mississippi State was too much to handle. Uh, good, good, convincing win. They need to step it up though if they want to compete in the top, the top echelon of SEC. Absolutely. All right, game number two: Arizona eighteen, Houston forty-five. Arizona looks lost under the direction of Kevin Sumlin as the Wildcats start the season zero and two. What do you got to add about that one? There's not too much to add. I feel bad for Kevin Sumlin. Um, 
not letting Khalil Tate, you know, run his his up tempo, rush heavy offense. I think is is hurting the team. Um, that said, Ed Oliver at at Houston, they're a sneaky team. They they've got a lot of talent there, but not much to say. A poor showing by the Wildcats. All right, next up, UCLA twenty one, Oklahoma forty nine. Dominating performance by Oklahoma, but two TDs late lets UCLA cover the spread. What do you have to add about there about the Bruins and the Sooners? I was wrong about this game. Uh, I did not think UCLA would put up over 17 points. They put up, I believe, 31. Um, still can't stop anybody. That being said, so impressed with Chip Kelly and what he was able to do there in Norman. Um, maybe not the hype that you'd expect, that being said. Um, to put up 31 in Norman is still good for a Chip Kelly team that just doesn't have the talent to keep up with uh, with the Oklahomas of the world. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunate to see Rodney Anderson go down as well for the Oklahoma Sooners. Third time yep. in his career that he's going to have a season-ending um, injury, so wishing well for that young man. Got to see him play in the Rose Bowl, and he certainly is an underappreciated talent on that team. All right, next up I got Georgia 41, South Carolina 17. Dogs shut down South Carolina and Debo Samuel, whose only touchdown came as a passer. Anything to add about that game? Knew this game was over as soon as I was nervous going into it, nervous in most of the first quarter. Once South Carolina decided to throw that wrinkle trick play to score the touchdown, I knew there was no way that they were going to be able to win unless they were flawless, and they weren't in that first quarter. Not surprised with the outcome. Um, yeah, Uh just a complete domination, um, especially in that third quarter. It was Georgia was uh, definitely the better team, especially in the trenches, and South Carolina was once again overmanned. I agree completely, and I, I you know, as dog fans, got to feel good when we're seeing backups come in and do just as well, if not better than the starter. I, I like seeing that, especially with Cade Mays there. Uh, okay, Iowa three, or sorry, Iowa State three, Iowa thirteen. Iowa wins in a defensive slog that resulted in 13 total punts. If you were a fan of defense and the punting game, that was the game for you. Did you watch that uh, Iowa State-Iowa game? I saw some snippets, to be honest. Um, this game's always one of those where they're not the best teams in the world, but being a rivalry game, they tend to just – its a, it can be sloppy, and it's just one of those, you know, grinded-out type of games, and – you know, I, if I remember correctly, Iowa State won, I think, last year in double OT. Um, so not surprised Iowa won, surprised at the score. Um, that being said, it's uh, it's one of those rivalry games, not, not surprised. Yeah, I would have expected Iowa to win by a little bit more, but they do end up covering so good for the Hawkeyes. Next up, Clemson 28, Texas A&M 26. We've kind of already talked about this game, but for my tweet cap, I put Jimbo and company look good at Texas A&M, but ultimately Clemson gets it done. What did you think there about uh, the number two in the nation, Clemson Tigers? I thought Clemson would uh, would do similar to what Georgia did. They would uh, it'd be closer, and then come the second half, their depth and overall talent would take over. Um, Jimbo did a phenomenal job uh, just coming out after halftime and after halftime just, you know, getting the guys to, to regroup and believe in what he was telling them. And um, surprised with the outcome, um, that being said, not surprised if Clemson won, but I think good showing all around, um, especially for Texas A&M. Another game that we kind of already talked about, Kentucky 27, Florida 16. Ding dong, the streak is done. Kentucky finally gets payback on Gators after 31 years. 
All SEC matchup there in the SEC East. You gotta like Georgia's chances a little bit better after seeing Kentucky take down Dan Mullen and his team in the first year of his reign. What do you think there about that game? You know what's seared in my mind is, uh, and I don't know, maybe I'm on the opposite side of this than uh, than the public, but there was a field goal by Florida. Not that it mattered all that much, but that was clearly through the uprights, in my opinion, and the refs called it no good. That's seared in my brain. I think Kentucky is. They were due. They have had multiple opportunities in the past that they came close. Um, I am surprised. I thought Florida would come out under Dan Mullen and play a little bit more inspired. But, um, you know, Kentucky's good for one or two of these close games a year and happy to see them on the right side of it this year. All righty, Penn State 51, Pitt 6. Penn State refuses to coast by making the country scream, Stop! They're already dead! What do you think there about uh, James Franklin putting on the gas pedal and scoring three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, even though it wasn't necessary to get it done versus Pitt? Not at all surprised. This is a sneaky rivalry game. Most uh, most people don't really realize how big of a deal this is to, to both schools, although Franklin did uh, did downplay this over the last couple of years, talking about how this is not a big rivalry game for them. I think down, down deep it is, and – you know, when you come out against App State and you put up a lackluster performance against a good App State team, but um, there was a lot to they, – they had a lot to go back to the drawing board and kind of coach these guys up and not surprised that they didn't uh, didn't call off the dogs late and just kept pounding a, a rival in pit. So um, not surprising at all. All righty. Second to last game we'll talk about here, then we'll move on to week three. USC 3, Stanford 17. USC held to their lowest scoring total since 1997 in seven. Oh, I already talked about this. 17-3 loss to Stanford. Cardinal getting it done with Bryce Love and Co. What did you think there about that performance out west? More impressed with Stanford's quarterback. Um, just being able to kind of, you know, everybody's going to be keying on Bryce Love and loading the box. And uh, the Stanford quarterback did enough. Not only did enough, but you know, threw a couple deep balls that were beautiful passes and. Uh, not surprised, but expected a little more out of this USC offense, especially with a, a heralded QB and JT Daniels. I, I expected a little more out of them, at least, you know, 10 to 13 to 17 points, somewhere in that range. That to only put up a field goal is surprising, but, you know, to be expected. Stanford's a solid defensive team. They tend to win in the trenches, and uh, they look to have a, a solid team this year. They, Bryce Love needs to figure it out, but if the quarterback can bust the top off the defense, then Bryce Love's going to have a lot of room to run this year. Something interesting to note as USC takes on Texas this upcoming week, and again, we'll probably talk about this. I, I, I know I'm going to touch on it. JT Daniels suffering a bruised hand. Not sure how that will affect him versus the Longhorns in this upcoming Week 3 matchup. Finally, we've got Michigan State 13, Arizona State 16. Maybe Arizona State was right. Herm Edwards and company proving the haters wrong by starting season 2-0. and I got to admit, I was not sure about that Herm Edwards hire, Pierce, but... Uh, Maybe he's still got it in him. I wasn't either. And, you know, something to be said about those coaches that, you know, maybe maybe more CEOs or, you know, GMs, if you want to call them that, but know how to motivate and get their guys fired up and you know, get the right coordinators in there and some get some some talent and, and you can really make some noise. And happy for Herm. Um, excited to see how they do the rest of the year. But, yeah, this was my good performance of the week. I think uh, – you know, just to win the game, albeit, or you know, no, no matter what happened, whether it was a slugfest or you know, high-scoring game or kind of uh, one of those that they didn't necessarily play all that well, but came out on top, doesn't matter. 
fact that they were able to beat a ranked opponent and a quality uh, quality program, Michigan State, I think speaks a lot about Herm's leadership. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for our week two wrap up. We're going to head into week three. But first, I'm going to introduce our guest picker. Last week, we had one of Pierce's friends. It was my turn to bring someone in. And uh, I kind of forgot. I kind of dropped the ball. Uh, but uh, I was able to get a hold of one of my very best friends, and I'm excited to introduce her to the podcast. First podcasting experience, Casey Mack. Hey. <laughs> I was like, is my she going to come like on anytime? Down, my dog's like running down the hall, so he's like about to start barking. Oh, okay. Well, hey, Hugo. <laughs> How's it going? It's good. Good deal. Spent a lot to, of uh... time looking at this stuff. Good. We would expect it because Pierce is a very competitive <laughs> dude, and uh, you gotta uh, you gotta represent here if you want to be asked back on the sibling rivalry podcast at a later time. So uh, we're excited to get into it, Pierce. Some really good matchups here in Week Three. Some uh, some good SEC battles going on. Some good uh, Big Twelve, Pac Twelve stuff action going on. Uh, and let's just go ahead and jump into it. Uh, my first game that I selected for us to talk about: Oklahoma at Iowa State. Iowa State's going to be picking up 17 points on that. Uh, and I, I just got to get right into it. I know where you talked about it. Rodney Anderson is going to be out for the rest of the season with a knee injury. But I'm not that worried because Oklahoma does have three really good guys backing him up that are going to just totally take over. Uh, sophomore Trey Sermon, he's going to carry most of the load. He's going to be the bell cow for this offense. Uh, and, and, and top it off with the fact that Iowa State has uh, an injury with their QB, Kyle Kempt. He's day-to-day with an ankle injury. So even if he does end up playing uh, this game, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about him and his mobility. Uh, last year, Iowa State did get it done in Norman. They upset him 38-31, to but I don't think that happens this year. I think Kyle Kemp's hurt. He's not going to be able to produce like he did last uh, season. Give me Kyler Murray and the Sooners all day long. Well, you dropped some tidbits on me there. Um, I didn't know Kemp was uh, was injured. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick with my original gut play, and, and I've been on Oklahoma the last two weeks, but I'm going to go with Iowa State. That's for some reason, up when you go up there and play at Iowa State, that that field plays slow, and it seems like you're, you're running in quicksand. And while I'm I'm I know that Oklahoma is the better team and should cover this number, don't be surprised if you see some wacky stuff, especially with Rodney Anderson being hurt. And then, you know, I know Sermon's a, a very capable running back, but people kind of looking around, going, "Who, you know, is he going to be able? Is Sermon going to be able to pick up with Rodney Anderson?" You know. What we miss from him, I'm going to go Iowa State, given the points at home um, in a uh, closer game than most people think. All right, Case, what do you think about this game, Oklahoma at Iowa State? Um, I think Oklahoma is going to win. Iowa State uh, hasn't played much. They the first game got canceled, so I'm just really interested to see how it goes. I think that Oklahoma's won pretty steadily their two games that they've played, so I think they're going to cover it. I, I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. Uh, 17 points is a lot, but uh, well, we shall see there. All right, next up, Georgia Tech at Pitt. Pitt is getting four points here on the game. Last week, USF beat Georgia Tech 49-38, to but the biggest news from that is that Cravante Benson, who had over 1,000 yards last season for Georgia Tech, is going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, that, that hurts them a lot. Uh, Pitt is 
last week had a terrible, terrible performance versus Penn State, uh, turned the ball over three times and incurred 14 penalties for 116 yards. But the weather wasn't great there in Pittsburgh, and uh, I don't think that uh, that happens again this week. So plus four points, give me Pitt. You know, I'm on the opposite side. Um, I don't know if y'all heard. Um, Big Mike chimed in there. He can he can hear you. Um, I I agree. I think Georgia Tech gets a plug and place offense. Um, it doesn't matter if they have the the top flight running back or if they have some Joe Schmo on the sideline. Their their system works, and I think they're going to regroup after losing this past weekend. And Pitt, you know, if this was if they had come out and played an inspired uh, an inspired game against Penn State and had just barely lost the game I think they would uh, come out inspired in this game but the fact that they got blown out that's uh I think that's too much to overcome I like I like Georgia Tech in the upset here and even though um I guess are they favored uh Georgia Tech's favored by four okay even though they're favored I still think it's somewhat of an upset um give me give me Georgia Tech to win this game by uh by double digits all right, Double Pierce digit. likes. I know that's he. He Whoa. likes Georgia Tech apparently. He likes the nerds. Why would you ever like Tech? Come on, man. <laughs> All right, Case. Who do you have? I have Pitt. I I didn't get to watch the Georgia Tech game last week, but people I've talked to said that they were losing the whole game. Penn State always has a good program, so I think that even though Pitt got killed, they're still going to beat Georgia Tech. All right. Um, I for this next game I I really struggled with this I know Casey wrestled with it a lot too uh, mainly because I, I want to like Vandy in this uh, they are two and zero on the season their wins coming against MTSU and Nevada so not like they've necessarily played anyone big but they've dominated both of those games and uh, Kyle Shermer has been totally the quarterback we all thought he could be 23 for 32 254 yards passing and two touchdowns uh that was in the last game versus Nevada Notre Dame's also 2-0 but they won their games just marginally 24 to 17 versus Michigan and 24 to 16 versus Ball State both of those games were also at home the Michigan win looks really good the Ball State struggling I don't know how to make what to make of that uh Wimbush is 467 yards on the season with one TD four interceptions three of which came versus Ball State, but ultimately what it came down to me is the fact that the Notre Dame defense has forced eight three and outs on 27 defensive series. That's 29.6% of the time. I don't know how Vandy can recover from that. It's at home. It's at Notre Dame. Uh, I think it's two two scores is a lot, but I think Notre Dame gets it done, and I think that Wimbush continues his dominance, and hopefully he can get his interceptions under control. This is one of the easiest games of the week for me. Um, no disrespect to, to the VU fans out there, but Notre Dame was destined to come out and, and fall flat uh, last week, having come off that emotional win against Michigan. I would have guessed this game would have been a 21-point spread, maybe even 24, and I still probably would have taken Notre Dame. Lock it in. This is the lock of the week for me. Notre Dame minus 14 is a gimme. All right. Well, there you go. Pierce likes the Irish on that one. Let's hear from our very own uh, Catholic here on the program. You like the Catholics or the nerds in this one? Um, I'm going to go with Vandy. I think that Notre Dame's going to win the game, but I don't think they're going to cover 14. Um, they just haven't really had some uh, substantial wins. And although Vanderbilt's not played anybody big, they've had really substantial wins. So, All right. Well, there you go. She's turning against her people. Don't tell the Pope. 
All right, uh, <laughs> next up, we've got LSU at Auburn. This is one that I will be in front of the TV for the entire time, not flipping the channel, just glued to the TV. Uh, nine and a half. Auburn's favored by nine and a half there at home. Uh, both teams have had, had impressive victories in week one. Of course, Auburn's coming against Washington, LSU's dominance over Miami. Uh, this is the CBS game of the week. It's going to be played in Auburn. Uh, for that reason, you know, it being in Auburn, I give, I, you got to give a little bit to Auburn for that. Um, it's hard to play on the planes. Uh, Nick Brissett for LSU running back has a, um, he's now passed a hundred yards in both of the games. He's going to have to perform here in Auburn. Um, Ultimately, what it came down to me is, is the fact that LSU's been scoring early, but they've been struggling to sustain. Two late touchdowns to Miami, and uh, even though they dominated that performance, and they only scored one in the second half of southeastern Louisiana. So if they don't sustain throughout the entire game, Auburn's going to absolutely manhandle them. Jarrett Stidham's not, he's going to have a field day in the second half if they can't keep it up. So I'm going to go Auburn on this. Ten points, easy. Home teams won the last ten, maybe even more than that, games in this uh, this series. Um, I think Auburn has the better the better QB. Um, LSU is missing their best pass rusher and Chase on, and um, I just think Auburn wins this game comfortably. All right, what about you, Case? Yeah, I don't really have much to say about this one. I chose LSU. Um, haven't been at home for the past couple weekends, so I haven't really seen any of them play. <laughs> so I'm going with LSU. Maybe I'll get it. Probably not based on y'all's feedback, but it's okay. <laughs> hey, you never know. Crazy stuff can happen there in the SEC matchups, but uh, Case likes the Tigers. All right, going to head on over to Boise State at Oklahoma State. This is another one that's going to be a sneaky, fun one to watch. Uh, if you're not planning on watching it, I would at least record it and catch the highlights later on. Um, Boise State uh, is going to be picking up two and a half points. Uh, they had the school record of 818 yards and climbed to number 17 last week when they beat UConn 62-7. to Oklahoma State leads the country with 674.5 yards per game, so this is going to be a good old-fashioned shootout. Uh, Boise State is 2-1 versus Big 12 opponents, uh, and their quarterback, Brett Ripien, I hope I'm saying that right, has 667 yards and seven TDs with no interceptions on the season. For that reason... I'm going Boise State. I, I think Oklahoma State's got some good talent, but they are struggling at protecting protecting their quarterback, Taylor Cornelius. He was sacked three times and had an interception versus South Alabama, which isn't a great showing, not a great school. Uh, so for that reason, give it, give me Boise State plus the points. Okay, State. I don't know as much as uh, most teams. Uh, okay, State's just one of those – one of those programs that seems to reload with a lot of junior college prospects. And, you know, you might not, they might not be household names, but they, they tend to reload and they tend to sneak under the fly under the radar and sneak up on teams. And at home, uh, Stillwater's a pretty good home field advantage. Give me OK State with only two, giving only two points. All right. Pierce likes OK State. I like the Cowboys, or not the Cowboys, sorry, but the Broncos. Uh, Pierce likes the Cowboys. What about you, Case? I'm going with Oklahoma State, too. The spread's not super big. I don't know much about these teams, honestly. So <laughs> I'm giving them the home field advantage, and they're, I'm picking Oklahoma. All right, good deal. Colorado State at a struggling Florida. Despite that, Florida is going to be giving 20.5 points here. Uh, that's a lot to me. Um, fun fact, Colorado State is going to be getting $2 million to play UF as a part of Jim, the Jim McElwain buyout back when Florida snagged him from Colorado State. 
You're coming with some serious facts tonight. What, what's up with you? <laughs> Listen. You work today. <laughs> I, I worked an extra like hour today. So um, I, I did a lot of research. But uh, but I, I say all that to say the fact that Florida's struggling. I don't think Dan Mullen writes the ship here. I'm not sure Colorado State wins. I don't think Florida covers this point spread. Um, I could get more into the facts if you wanted me to. Um, but I do think Florida wins. I don't think they cover. Mullen is 10-5 and in his head coaching career when losing a game. So he comes back the next game and is 10-5 and in that game. It's Colorado State. It's not like they're playing Georgia this week. I think Florida wins, but I don't think they do it by 21 points. Give me the Rams. Yeah, I, 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 I want to agree with you. I think it'll be hard for Florida to, to get up for this game, but I think it's it'll be the same for Colorado State coming off that emotional win against Arkansas at home. They now go to the swamp. If if Florida has even the slightest bit of home field advantage, if the fans show up and are supportive, and they come out and the players are even the slightest bit motivated, I think they cover this measly spread of uh, twenty and a half. Uh, give me Florida at home. Interesting. He just called 21 points, or 20 points, rather, um, measly. What about you, Casey? What do you think about this game? I agree with you, Madison. I don't think, like, after last week, Florida's hurting, and I don't think they're going to co- I think they may win, but they're not going to cover at all. I think that's a lot of points to go up after, especially how they played last week, and that's all I got to say about that. It'll be interesting to see if Florida can stop the uh, Colorado State passing offense. They're ranked 10th nationally, 369 yards per game, but uh, Florida's defense is second nationally, 77 yards, holding the teams to just 77 yards Didn't per game. Didn't someone so. get hurt from them too this week? Florida? Yeah, someone big. Yes, and their name is blanking me. Yes, because I talked about it with Jess, and um, yeah. I don't remember, but uh, I don't know. I, I think regardless, I think that Florida's you know in for a tough season, but ultimately... Again, it's Colorado State, so uh, should be interesting to see what happens with that. All right, uh, next up, we've got Houston at Texas Tech. That is going to be, I mean, right now the line is one point. That's what we're going to be picking uh, with. So uh, I don't know. That's crazy. It's pretty much just a pick em. But ultimately, um, I think it's going to come down to the fact that Ed Oliver is a man-possessed defensive tackle for Houston. He's only a junior. He's uh, already tallied 18 tackles on the year. Uh, the Texas Tech defense is totally overhyped. Um, I was reading articles before the season even started saying that if Texas, if Cliff Kingsbury retains his job, it'll be because of the Texas Tech defense, and yet they've been giving up these big plays to uh, Ole Miss, and, uh, and I can't remember who they played last week, but they've been giving up these big plays that uh, it, it's just, I don't, I don't know what's happening to them. Um, so it's two pass Happy attacks. Who's going to get done defensively? Ed Oliver, uh, best defensive player in the country, and uh, Houston are going to win that game. Agreed. Not much I can add to that. Uh, hit the nail on the head. I think Texas Tech is very comparable to an Arizona team. Not much on the on the offensive or defensive lines. Not much in the way of defense. They have a good quarterback. They have some good skill players. But you saw what Houston did last week uh, to that to that team and and yeah give me Houston in a uh, pretty easy easy win for them all right Case what do you think yeah I don't have much more to say I think Houston's gonna win I don't know how well the matchup's gonna be but I'm going with Houston that is our first uh pick that we've all been on the same page with so we'll (laughs) see if that's a good thing or a bad thing um interesting fact a little bit 
of a storyline to be watching as you're watching this game. Last year, Texas Tech snapped Houston's 16-game home winning streak, winning that game 27-24. to So maybe there's a little bit of bad blood there, and Houston's able to, uh, to make it happen versus the Red Raiders. All right, this next one I'm lovingly dubbing the Battle of the Hawaiian QBs. Alabama at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is getting 21 points on the game. I mean, Alabama's good, but are they that really that good? Uh, Pierce, I'm going to let you go first here. Give us your uh, analysis of Alabama at Ole Miss and who you got. Alabama won this game convincingly. Uh, yeah, I think that you know how the – I think you know the motivational tactics of a Nick Saban-led team. You've seen it with Kirby. Um, he's not going to let this team – um, forget that Ole Miss has beaten them over the last four or five seasons more than any other team in the SEC. Um, I think they go in and get a convincing win. They've been able to rest a lot of their starters um, in the second half the last three weeks um, or last two weeks. Give me, uh, give me Alabama in a convincing 28-31 point win. All right. Casey, who do you got? Um, I have Alabama also. I think that the 21 points is a lot, but – Nick Saban always seems to get it done. It sucks for everyone else, but I think they're going to get it done again. Dropping a couple facts on here, y'all. T- uh, Tonga Vailoa is second in the nation with passing efficiency, but uh, Tamu is seventh. So it's going to be, like I said, battle of the Hawaiian QBs there. Um, you know, two really good QBs as well. Um, Ole Miss averaged 99 seconds per TD drive last year. That's crazy fast, especially for Alabama and the Nick Saban uh, defense that like slower play. Uh, I'll be interested to see if they can keep up on that. Um, but ultimately what it comes down to is the fact that Alabama has outscored their first two opponents 108 to 21, scoring on 10 of 13 possessions and nine touchdowns with Tua at the helm. That's crazy efficient. And uh, Ole Miss gave up 41 to Southern Illinois. So with the efficiency of the Alabama attack, I don't care how many points Ole Miss can score. They're not going to be able to keep up with Tua and Bama. So uh, I'm taking uh, Bama there. Plus or minus 21. All right, uh, let's head out west to this great state of Texas, USC at Texas. First meeting in Austin for these two teams. Texas is going to be giving three points, uh, which, uh, you know, with Tom Herman at the helm, I'm interested to see that they're even the uh, the favorites there at home. But uh, who do you got, Pierce? Longhorns or Trojans? You know, I picked the Longhorns week one against Maryland. I was uh, very wrong in that one, and I was pretty embarrassed about that pick. That being said, I think uh, in Austin, I think uh, uh, the fans won't have trouble getting up for this game. JT Daniels, like you said, is a little bit banged up, and I I just think that Texas is better on the line of scrimmage, and they find a way to make this game – a slugfest at the line of scrimmage. It's going to be a run, 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 run. They're going to be able to stop JT Daniels, especially if he's limited. Give me Texas here. All right. Case? I'm going with USC. They lost to Stanford last week, but Stanford always has a good team, and it wasn't that bad of a loss. They uh, Texas lost to Maryland also, so I'm just going to go with USC and hope that they win. <laughs> All right. Good analysis there from Casey. Um, yeah, Ultimately, this was another one of those that I was kind of like, you know, it's kind of going to be what team can suck less, in my opinion. Um, Texas struggled at home versus Tulsa last week. I mean, they lost to uh, Maryland to open the week one. They struggle at home versus Tulsa, winning 28-21. to um, USC, the last time they played, beat Texas 27-24. to So it was close, and it was in LA. I think the fact that it's in Austin is going to help uh, Texas out. 
if Texas can establish the run game early, then don't even don't even watch the rest of this game. Texas is going to take it home. USC gave up 136 yards to Bryce Love, but it was Bryce Love. That's not the problem that I have. The problem is that USC gave up 308 rushing yards to UNLV. Forget about it. If Texas can establish the running game, then this is not even going to be a race at all. Give me Tom Herman. Last up, we've got the oh, I, I you know what? Here's the thing: is I don't, I need to write any down anything down for this game because I just know oh. I'm just going to wind Pierce up and let him go oh. as a uh, TCU <laughs> alum. I'm going to go ahead and make my pick first. I'm going to let Casey make her pick, and then we're just going to let Pierce talk till the cows come home. Um, Ohio State at TCU. TCU picking up 13 points. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit you with some Ohio State facts before we let Pierce go. Uh, but this is going to be. Ohio State's last game without Urban Meyer. Of course, they've played Oregon State uh, the first week, and they played Rutgers last week, and they've been blowing out these opponents. But those are Oregon State and Rutgers, and TCU is actually a pretty predominant power in the Big 12 every single year. Dwayne Haskins is looking stellar at Ohio State, though. Five touchdowns in Week 1 versus Oregon State, and then he went 20 for 23 for 233 yards and four touchdowns versus Rutgers. Both of those games were in Columbus, but they brought in, you know, were able to see some younger talent, too. So I'm scared for Ohio State in the future. They've got a lot of good talent there. Uh, First meeting for these two teams, though, out of Columbus. I think TCU had a wake-up call last week versus SMU. They were caught looking ahead to Ohio State, but I think they're ready this week. Uh, game's going to be in Dallas in Jerry World. Give me the Horn Frogs plus the points. Casey? Wow. Um, I'm going with Ohio State. They've won pretty steadily. And I think oh, my. I hate them, but it's, uh, that's where I'm going with. I just don't know if TCU is going to be able to pull it out, so we'll see. I, uh, I debated not even picking this one, Pierce, because uh, for us to pick because I just knew it. you'd be so um, – I, I'm a little superstitious, so I know that whenever I pick Georgia, I get nervous and I want to almost pick against them. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm interested to see what you have to say here about your Horn Frogs. Can I not pick? Yeah, no, nope, you got to <laughs> pick. Oh man, uh, I agree with I agree with all that was said. Um, I would not be surprised to see TCU cover the spread. <clears throat> that being said, I've watch this team enough they're, they're very well coached Patterson's gonna have them you know ready to go motivated um they're a little bit younger they've they lost a lot last year um I think this team is primed to to be to potentially win the big 12 next year if not be the favorites um but if you look in the past the teams that have given TCU the most trouble are the ones that have a, a quarterback that can take the top off the defense um and that is that is Dwayne Haskins in a nutshell. That guy can throw the deep ball with the best of them. Um, As much as it pains me to say, if this game was over 14, I'd probably, probably say I'm not going to pick, but at 13 and a half, I think uh, Ohio State gets the late touchdown and covers that 14. Ooh. Ooh. I know. I'm interested in that. That's interesting that you uh, picked Ohio State there. But I guess either way, you're either happy that you got the pick right or you're happy that TCU won. So a um, little exactly. way to ensure Win-win. some happiness. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for week three games. But, uh, we, of course, we have to hit our uh, easy-peasy money games. This is if you're a gambler. If you're a gambler, then, you know, maybe you want to stick around for this. Pierce is going to hit you with three of the games that he thinks are going to be easy layups um, and you're going to win some money off of. So, Pierce, without further ado, go ahead. <laughs> Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Money, 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 money
Well, I just talked about it. Um, Ohio State. Give me Ohio State. Um, I'm not going to go in depth on this. I just think they top to bottom, especially on the line of scrimmage. Uh, you put TCU against a team like an Ohio State, a Georgia, um, you know, an Alabama, and I think they can hang, and then the line of scrimmage breaks down, and it becomes their skill players, and, you know, uh, as much as it pains me to say, I just don't think this is the year that they can hang. I think that next next year they have a chance, but give me Ohio State uh, with the with the points, uh, thirteen and a half. Um, the book, it, it, I would not be shocked if this game got to fifteen. Um, Ohio State was favored by fifteen. I would not be shocked, but as much as it pains me to say, give me Ohio State minus thirteen and a half. I think that's a very uh, very smart play. Um, the other play was one that I picked as well. Um, let me go back to it real quick. Uh, and that's Notre Dame minus 14 against Vandy. I mean, you look at Notre Dame, they were destined to have a, have a crummy performance last week after having such an emotional rivalry game against Michigan, come out and have such great success. And the fan base is buzzing. And then they have an uh, 11 o'clock noon game against the ball state. I mean, you, Yes, the good teams come out and they dominate the easy opponents. I'm not saying this team is an elite top five team, but they're good enough to cover 14 for sure against uh, a Vandy team. That that looks pretty good. They've got a good quarter, quarterback in Shermer, but I think uh, I think it's too much to ask from a Vandy team. Give me uh, Notre Dame. And then, unfortunately, I'm going with three picks off our pick em. I, I try not to do this, but give me, give me Houston. Um I think this team has a legit presence on the line of scrimmage. Um, they're up-tempo. Texas Tech, they lost to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss almost got beat by whoever the heck it was last week, some crummy school. And, you know, I don't I don't see I, – I think Texas Tech puts up, you know, 20-something points, but I think Houston puts up 40. And, and, and given that they are um, within a one-point spread of a Texas Tech team that I think is going to – end up being about five and seven on the year to be honest maybe six and six if they're lucky i think houston's a layup here those are my three easy peasy layup games of the week book them put your money on them lock it in and cash that bet well okay then uh so that's the easy peasy games of the week if you are a gambler not that we're endorsing gambling those five are the games last week Five or no, that last week. Yeah, he's uh, he's really proud of that. But uh, if you're looking to win some money, maybe those are the games you think about looking into. Well, uh, Pierce, it sounds like you guys arrived at your destination, so we're going to let you go and uh, go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, Case, yeah, thanks so much for I'm, being a – what? I was going to say, I'm sitting in the car by myself in hey. Chicago. I don't even know where I am. I'm, I'm just sitting here by myself doing <laughs> Dedication, that's that's what it takes. There you go, commitment. Well, we're going to go ahead, like I said, and wrap it up. Um, but uh, wanted to go ahead and thank Casey here on the podcast for being a part of it. We'll have to keep you updated on how you do this week. How the uh, We'll keep the listeners updated also as well. Uh, she's just got to beat six, and then she's in the lead. And she's just got to no, beat four, be and she's beating Hampy. <laughs> What'd you say? She's just got to beat She's just got to beat Hampy. Yeah, she's just got to beat Hampy. No, I'm that's... trying to beat you, Pierce. I'm just Ooh, I don't think right. I'll beat you, Pierce. <laughs> right. We win. We win. Uh... I think we went against each other in every game but one, so there's a good chance. I, I think there was two two consensus picks, um, but I think other than that, yeah, you guys picked against each other, so you guys are either <laughs> going to be uh, 
one of you is going to be a made big loser, and one of you is going to be a big winner. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes next week. But uh, that's going to do it here for the Sibling Rivalry podcast. But before we go, I, I saw something interesting on a, uh, a questionnaire, or like a Q&A that I was reading. Uh, who do you think deserves to lose their uh, AP Top 25 voting privileges more? The guy who put FSU in the Top 25 or the guy who left TCU out? Oh, what was that first one? I just heard TCU being left out. FSU still in the top 25. Two different guys, but one of them put FSU in the top 25 and one left TCU out. The guy who put I... FSU in. You oh, think man. he deserves to lose his voting privileges? Yes. <laughs> Case was there at the I game. Agree. She saw how ugly it was. I agree. I agree. TCU, TCU could argue didn't play great competition. So, I mean, if you want to argue that, I can kind of understand it. FSU not only had a terrible showing in week one where they didn't even come to play, they almost got beat. They, you could argue they deserved to get beat against an FCF school last week. Yeah, take that guy's voting privilege away. Give it to one of us three. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, the person who uh, voted for FSU in the top 25 uh, woke up from a coma that uh, he went into in 2013. So uh, not sure what he was thinking there. Well, that's going to do it for the Sibling Rivalry Podcast. On behalf of Casey Mack, our guest picker, Pierce, my brother and co-host, and uh, myself, Madison Browder, thanks for listening. Stay blessed, y'all. I didn't think you were going to do it. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks, guys. Thank you.